Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. A day late, a dollar short, but it's okay. I'm Garth Allen. That's Tyler Guthrie. Tyler, how'd your weekend at the greatest spectacle in racing go? Pretty good. Had a front seat for front row seat for all the action. Um, pretty much every wreck was on my end of the track, so got to see it all, hear it all. Uh, good event. Uh, really good crowd for the whole month. Really, uh, I think we had the biggest show out for qualifying and carb day that we've had in like 20 ish years, excluding 2016 for the hundred running. I think that was the only time in the past 30 years that they've had more people for there for the race. Um, so over 300,000 people and it only took me like 15 minutes to actually get out of traffic. So props to IMPD, I guess. That's not bad. That's better than I would have expected. Um, that's about like getting out of the NASCAR race. Yeah, because nobody shows up at Indy anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I saw something. I can't remember where I saw it. It was like 9 a.m. And they said the crowd was already as big as like the actual NASCAR race. So you could tell yeah. it was going to be a good day. No, I believe it. Uh, just looking around the track, probably 8, 9 o'clock. It was as many people as I can remember being there for the last couple of brickyards. Mm-hmm. And then we, st- we still had another four hours until the race started (laughs) yeah right it's amazing how like drastic of a different that difference there is like how many people show up for the 500 versus the the 400 it's or i guess it's not the 400 anymore the nascar race on the road course although apparently it sounds like we're going back to the oval next year Um, oh sweet i can't wait for that oh actually go back if we go to back to the oval yeah I'm curious to see how the next-gen car would do on the oval. Um, It tends to do better on bigger tracks, it seems, but with IMS being mostly flat, it doesn't seem to do well on flat tracks, so I I, I genuinely don't know how the next-gen would do on the IMS oval. I'm not expecting it to do well at all because the next-gen on the mile-and-a-halfs is good because of the fact that you can run multiple lanes. You can have a guy run up top and a guy run on the bottom and be the same pace, but you can't have two guys run right behind each other. We've seen people wash up the track time and again with the next-gen cars, so I don't think it's actually going to be as good as everybody thinks it is. Maybe better than the previous-gen cars, but I don't think we're ever really going to have an amazing car in NASCAR at that track. That track's an IndyCar track, always has been, always will be. They Taylor make the IndyCar Speedway package specifically for Indianapolis. I don't think you're ever going to get a cup car to race super well there. No, I don't think so. Although, I do wonder if the fact that um, cars can run side by side, but not directly behind one another, I wonder if maybe that might turn IMS into a multi-groove race for NASCAR. That would be interesting. Um I guess we'll see when they go four wide into turn one and pile it up like they have before. <laughs> yep, that would not be the first time. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I don't think it can be any worse than what the Gen 6 car was on there. So no, try it. And honestly, it'll probably be better than the road course. So, And the thing is, I was always one of those people that in the last few years of the Oval, I was saying, just put them on the road course because it can't be any worse. And it hasn't been worse. But it's not been good either. So I'd like to see now with the new car what they can do on the oval. If this car can't work on the oval either, it makes me wonder if it's not time for NASCAR to just leave IMS. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see NASCAR leave IMS more than anybody else does. But the road course is kind of... The road course feels like a backup option to the oval because it is, but yeah. the the whole road course race feels like they're only there because they're not good on the oval, and I just think that's a bad look for the sport as a mm-hmm. whole. But, you know, at least we still have NASCAR in Indianapolis. I don't want to see it go, but the racing needs to be better. I would like to see, I know it's going to take some revitalization and maybe adding some stands, but I would really like to see a cup race at IRP. Um, IRP is a fantastic track. My personal favorite track. Trucks and Arca do fantastic there. Xfinity would do well there if they would take it back there. Um, there's not quite 
the amount of stands or parking or anything like that right now, I think that could handle a cup race, but I don't think it would take much. I mean, North Wilkesboro just showed a couple weeks ago that you don't have to have 200,000 seats to be able to accommodate a cup crowd. Like, it almost might be better to have less seats. A lot of these tracks have been taking out grandstands in recent years as attendance has been dwindling. So it might be better to have a number that's lower than the actual number of people that want to go and make it an actual like scarcity thing to where people are like, Oh, I can't get a ticket. I really want to go. Yeah. And not to be that guy, but then you can kind of hike up ticket prices a little bit, make Mm -hmm. yourself a little extra money. You don't have as much groundskeeping to do, not as much property tax, but yeah, it, it's really disappointing to see NASCAR go to places like Daytona, Talladega, Fontana, even uh, Michigan, where there's just walls of bleachers and just so much silver coming back from the seats because there's no people in them. Fontana uh, was almost sold out this year. Now, that might have been because it was the last race in the big track, but it was either almost sold out or was sold out. Yeah, I, I remember hearing something about that, but it's definitely... Because it was almost, or it was the last track, last race on that track. But mm-hmm. which I don't get because that's been a good race forever. It's the property for... value. We talked about this right after then when it came out, how much they got for all that land. It's the property value. That's no, what it comes I understand. Down to. I understand why they're changing it, but I don't understand why attendance was so bad. For oh, so long. I got you. Okay. Because the racing has always been good. IndyCar was great there, but. It makes me nobody wonder, shows up. It makes me wonder if that's not as big of a market for racing as what NASCAR wants it to be. Like NASCAR really wants to be in that market, but there may just not be that big of an appetite for racing in that market. That's not to say there's no race fans there, but it makes me wonder if the, if there's just not any not enough people in that area to sustain it. Yeah, um I think IndyCar's done a really good job of trying to pay attention to their market and expand to other places. NASCAR is doing it now because they're mm-hmm. going back to North Wilkesboro and Nashville super speedway and all that kind of stuff. But IndyCar has always been a Midwestern thing. And then they grew out and they still keep all of the Midwestern places. And they're talking about bringing back the Milwaukee mile and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. They got road America coming up in a couple months they have a lot of really good tracks in the Midwest and they don't go away from them, which I really like. I think that's been one of the biggest positive positives of Penske taking over IndyCar and IMS and all that is Penske knows what the market is. He knows where IndyCar needs to be and what it needs to do to, to thrive. So he's taking them back to these tracks. Yeah. And with that note, we've, there was a couple stats about, you know, TV numbers for all the races this weekend. IndyCar hit almost 5 million viewers in the U.S. with Peacock. Um, got like a, like, I think there was a stat that said 13% of American households that were had a TV turned on at any time during the race had it turned mm. on to the race, uh, which 13% of people with TVs, that's a pretty good number, I think. Yeah. No, that that's really good. Um, I was... I, I keep being disappointed every year by the fact that they black it out in the indie market if it's not sold out. Like, some people just can't go. Like, I had work. Right. Like, there's some people that just can't go. It, I, I understand they're trying to force you to buy a ticket to go to the race if there's still some available. But again, some people just can't go but still want to see the race. And I couldn't until I got out of the indie market to work. I couldn't even watch it on Peacock. Because yeah, I guess that was I location thought that was based. weird. Yeah. I, I didn't like that you couldn't watch it on Peacock. I, I feel like if you're paying for a subscription to an online service, you should yep. be able to watch it regardless of where you are. Um, I didn't and even it, know that they tracked your location. That like I knew they had it like in your house because you had mm-hmm. to be connected to your home Wi-Fi for certain stuff. But you shouldn't have Peacock blacked out. If I'm paying for right. a service and I get to watch practice and qualifying the whole month and you're not going to let me watch the race, that's stupid. Well, and what's funny is it had to be like GPS location based because I went in and changed 
my zip code to a couple different places to like try and get it out of the indie market and it still wouldn't let me do it so it had to be pinpointing my location to see that i was in the indie market this is why we use vpns yes yes it is aren't they trying to make those illegal now though they've been trying to make them illegal but there's i don't think there's anything they can do about it because it's That's a true. security it's a security thing not a location based thing so they're trying to cover it as a location not a location a security thing i don't know I mean, you say there's nothing they can do about it, but I'm pretty sure I saw the other day that Montana fi- actually banned a TikTok. So, yeah, ban because TikTok, all then... three people in Montana, they use TikTok, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they had a lot of opposition in state government for that. <laughs> right. If, if you're watching this and you're from Montana, we apologize. We're not talking about you. <laughs> no, we, we love Montana, even though yes. you killed Montana Rail Link, but we'll move on. How many people watching this are going to know what Montana Rail Link is? Not enough. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about the Indy 500 as a whole. I'm going to let you just go on about this since you saw more of the race than I did, thanks to the stupid blackout, and you're our IndyCar expert anyway. So tell us what happened in the 500. Well, we had the typical fuel save for the first 150 laps that we've had in the past couple of years, but... Honestly, it was not that bad, in my opinion. Um, we had a couple guys slow the pace down a lot in the middle of the race. I think they were running average last speeds of like 207 instead of in the 220s. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fuel saved in the middle of the race. Um, no stage cautions because it's not NASCAR. And we had like three rounds of green flag pit stops without any interruptions. There wasn't a yellow until like lap 94. Uh, they were getting ready to pit again, and that kind of put everybody back on sequence. But, yeah, it was really fun in the first part of the race because you have people coming in at, like, lap 28, and pit window went all the way to almost lap 35, and people coming in, coming out. A lot of leapfrogs. Uh, some people came in early and were able to make it out faster because they got new tires. Some people stayed out and were able to draft up the cars ahead of them and got ahead of a couple cars behind them. Really good strategy race for the first half. Then we had the yellow around lap 94 for Stingray Rob. Just He tried to blame it on Ray Hall for Ray Hall sticking it up the inside, but that was definitely on Stingray, in my opinion. Um, that kind of evened out everybody's strategy. We went to about the middle of the race, and then it kind of started getting a little bit crash crazy. Um, I know a lot of people are upset that IndyCar threw the red at the very end of the race, the third one. Um, I wasn't sure why they threw the first one, because we still had 14 laps to go when they threw the first red. I would have probably let that go out, but as soon as they threw that one, you knew automatically any other wreck was going to automatically be a red flag. Yeah. Um, but the third one, they waited a lap to throw the red. So then when we went back green, we only had one lap to the finish, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, looking back on it now, at the time, I didn't really like it, but it was pretty cool that they did everything they possibly could to give the fans a green flag finish. Um, but, yet the, the, but yet they'll complain that NASCAR has all these gimmicks. Yeah, I well, at least we didn't extend the race to... Yeah. Instead of being a 500 mile race to a, like a 530 mile race. Um, I, I do like that. They tried to finish it under green and it, they ended up being successful. They did screw over Marcus Erickson, which was kind of funny because he complained about it a lot, <laughs> even though the second red flag helped him out significantly. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like where the cookie crumbled for Marcus. Um, Joseph Newgarden ended up winning the race. Uh, he's been, this is his 12th attempt at Indianapolis, and he's been coming here since he was like three or four years old. Um, longtime partner with Sarah Fisher in Noblesville. He's been wanting to win this race his entire life, and it was really cool to have the hype of the 100 Days to Indy and just the whole month in general being very populated to have somebody win when it means this much to them. Um, he hopped through a hole in the fence and jumped into the stands at the end of the race, which is pretty cool, uh, which I thought it was even cooler. He said he's been planning that since the first time he came to the 500. Mm-hmm. He said if he, if he won the race, he wanted to do that. Um, 
Yeah, pretty cool race. Uh, Tony Kanaan's last race in IndyCar. Um, he started a lawn mowing service now uh, oh. on the on the back straight. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he passed Scott McLaughlin in the grass at 220 mile an hour. Yeah, but, uh, yeah the, the red flags were weird. The first one I probably wouldn't have done. second one made sense. The third one, I didn't like it at the time, but looking back on it, I'm not as upset about it as I was because I really don't want the 500 to be decided because Marco Andretti and Ed Carpenter can't go straight on a restart racing mm-hmm. for 20-something. I don't think that's fair to anybody at the front of the field to not be able to finish the race under green because some idiot racing that far back in the pack can't make a restart. Um, so I get it. I wish they'd thrown it immediately instead of waiting a lap under yellow to throw the red. Um, so I, I get all the controversy about it, but in the end, that's what happened. And I think this is probably going to become an instant classic. No, I agree. I think it will. Um, just for how unique it was that one lap shootout at the end. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before in the 500, just to have a one lap shootout, no. especially straight out of a red flag. There wasn't um, even a rule in the IndyCar rule book for it. They were like, are we going to throw the white and the green at the same time? Are we yeah. just going to finish it? So that was pretty cool. And you'll probably never see that again, but probably not. But yeah, it was cool to see him go up into the stands. I thought that was really cool. Uh, the funny part is, did you notice on Monday when they ran both the cup race and the Xfinity race that both Blaney and Allgaier, after they won those races, they both went into the stands too, like imitating New Garden. I saw Blaney did it, and uh, I think that's the first time somebody's swept, like a team owner swept Indianapolis and the Coke 600 in the same year. Yes, it is. Um, which which is pretty cool. As as much as uh, Roger Penske has won, especially the 500, but has won the 600 as well. Um, for him to finally be able to do that in the same year was really cool. Now we just need to do it with the same driver. Yes. Um, <laughs> Kyle Larson's up for it next year. He's not with the same team in both races, though. Not with the same team, but it's the same engine manufacturer, if that makes yeah. any difference. That, see, the thing is, if anybody can do it, I think it's Larson. Um, oh, I, if any- I agree 100%, especially yeah. since he's with McLaren and Hendrick. Yep. By far and away, two of the best teams on those respective tracks. Yeah. Um, and the only other person that's done better is Tony Stewart. So, yeah, I, I think Kyle Larson and Tony Stewart are a fair comparison, in my opinion, even though I think Kyle Larson is a lot better. Yeah, um, I, I think Larson and Jeff Gordon probably actually are a better comparison. And I saw something, I think it was on the pre-race, where they did a little piece on... Um, how similar Larson's path to the cup series was to Gordon's. And they had both of them talking about it on there and how Larson, uh, looked up to Gordon the whole time when he was coming up through the ranks. So yeah, I think, I think Gordon actually probably is a better comparison there, but Stewart probably is similar as well. Can you imagine if Jeff Gordon was racing in this era where T motors are letting their drivers do different sports all the time? He he might be the driver that would have done it, would have won both the 500 and the 600 in the same year. I almost guarantee it. I mean, he tried out Juan Pablo Montoya's Williams F1 car for a couple mm-hmm. laps around IMS and would have qualified for the F1 race that year. Nice. <laughs> so. Well, would have qualified and could have won are two different things. I'd no, like I know, know, but hopping in a single seat F1 car and taking it for three yeah. laps around IMS and being up to qualifying speeds, pretty good in my opinion. Was who was Montoya with at the time? Was he in a Williams? William or BMW Sauber Williams, whatever. I don't know. I think it was a Williams, but it was a BMW engine. But that wasn't a race winning car at the time, was it? No, I didn't think so. No, or no, it wasn't. It was like top ten, but. Okay. So I I guess the 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 thing would have been not if Gordon could have qualified on the pole or won the race, it would have been could he run where that car was supposed to be, which I hate that about F1 that like your your finishing position more often than not is determined by 
how good the car is, not by how good you are. Like, F1, especially recently, is not a... I don't even understand why they have a driver's championship at this point, because the manufacturer's right. championship is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, yeah. You saw that this weekend in Monaco where in qualifying Max Verstappen was like three tenths back on Alonso coming into the third sector and pulled out another four tenths over him in the third mm-hmm. sector. That's not Verstappen being a better driver than Alonso. Like yeah. maybe a little bit, but four tenths in the third sector at Monaco, that's all car. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of the F1 race, so much for uh, anybody giving Max a run for the championship, seeing as Checo wrecked in qualifying and got stuck in the back of the pack because it's Monaco and it's there's no room to pass anywhere there. So he didn't even get up into the points. I think he finished like 16th, just couldn't do anything. So... Might as well go ahead and give Max the championship because it's going to take a lot of bad luck on his part for Checo to get back into it now. Yeah, an interesting point in the F1 race. Uh, a couple of cars crashed. They had to lift them up with a crane to get them off the track, and all the engineers freaked out because they showed the under parts of the cars, and you could see all the underlying downforce and streamline mm-hmm. effects, which I thought was interesting that that stuff is so top secret that they freaked out that much over it. Uh, well, just... apparently, I didn't actually see this, but from what I read, I guess looking at the underside of the F1, it looked like a completely different car than the rest of them. Or yeah. at the underside of the Red Bull. The underside of the F1, yes, that, that makes sense. Well, I mean, at this <laughs> point, Red Bull is F1. But... Right. <laughs> no, it was very intricate, and I just thought it was interesting that Adrian Newey and Red Bull are so far ahead of everybody else that it looked that different. It, it makes sense on why they're so fast all the time now, because all their downforce stuff is underneath. But yeah, th- those are really awesome cars. Not a good series. Nope. I mean, from a technological standpoint, it's extremely impressive. But it. Well, if the point was to build a really fast car, sure, that's great, mm-hmm. but not for a 20 race championship season. Right. Because that's the thing, when when somebody like Red Bull gets so far out in front, I mean, not that Max isn't the best driver in the field, he very well could possibly be the most talented driver in that field, but you can't tell, because he's right. in so much better of a car that you could put the worst driver in that field in a Red Bull, and they'd probably still win the championship. Yeah, I don't doubt it at all, um, and the... You could put, Nick, you could put Nikita Mazepin in a Red Bull, and he'd probably win the yeah. championship. <laughs> well, I was gonna make a point, but now you just completely ruined that point. I was gonna say, I? I was gonna say the parity between F one drivers is like they're very close as far as how quick they are, and then then you bring in Nikita Mazepin. So I mean, to be say fair, that he's now, not but... he's not in F one anymore. So not anymore, but he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. Uh, Who's a good example of a pay driver in NASCAR? He was he was absolutely a pay driver in F1. Oh, gosh. Who is a pay driver now? Who is... Okay, so who is a pay driver that is there solely for their money and not because they have any talent? Because, like, everybody called Paul Menard a pay driver for the longest time, but Paul Menard he was actually had pretty good. Yeah. yeah, he was pretty good. He beat Jeff Gordon at IMS once. Yeah. Like, you, you don't do that because you got paid. Right. Or because you're paying to be there. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that's really a pay driver right now in NASCAR. I don't Cody know Ware, but... <laughs> well... His dad owns not... a team, so... Yeah, that's not so much a pay driver as it is just nepotism. But um, I don't know if there are any in the Cup Series. Um, I mean, there's a few you could probably call pay drivers in Xfinity, but at the same time, they at least still have shown talent like you could call brandon jones a pay driver but he's won some races at this point like he's not he terrible. was good until he came to jrm <laughs> yeah i well jrm's just not quite as good this year as they were last year so i don't know if that's so much on him yeah they seem to be getting caught out by a bunch of random stuff in races too they're just at the wrong spot the wrong time almost every time something happens right well, 
I think it's time to move on to Charlotte for the weekend, the full weekend that turned into Friday and Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, I think technically it did go into Tuesday. I don't think the Xfinity race ended until after midnight Eastern. Um, Supposed to be done by, like, middle of the afternoon on Saturday and ended until Tuesday morning. Right. Quite possibly the longest Xfinity race in history. Started at 11 a.m. Monday and didn't end until midnight. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's probably one that was longer than that because we've had rain delays in the middle of races before and they've had to like be postponed like to the next day so i don't know that that necessarily would hold up but either way friday doubleheader trucks and arca arca was arca there really wasn't much happening in that race jesse love <laughs> ran away with it again three in a row for him like he's clearly at this point gonna win the championship unless something weird happens which minimum speed still doesn't exist in arca nope um greg von Alst got taken out at one point and was fuming afterward and he may not even run the full season now because he's gotten in so many wrecks at this point and may not have the equipment to do it so jeez, i it, after like the fact that he started off the season so high winning at daytona and his season has just plummeted from there and it's nothing of his own doing like I don't I don't know what you can even say about it, but it's it's very unfortunate because Greg Von Alst was set up to to have a very good season this year and maybe could have competed for the championship, but he's not going to at this point. He may not even run the full season at this point. Um, it's it's very unfortunate to see. Yeah, Arca is just kind of a bunch of crashes now for no reason. It's there's only a couple cars that are competitive this year and there's yeah. only been a couple competitive cars for like five years now the last good arca season was 2018 mm-hmm. the first year that i covered arca for rnn that was a good season sheldon creed zane smith chase purdy michael self christian eckes natalie decker the names that were in that season and competing for wins it was fantastic and it was it was different winners every week you had multiple fast teams and then it's all been downhill from there after mdm closed their doors after that season sheldon creed won the championship in an mdm car one week later that team closed down and ever since then arca has been downhill yeah and it's not even profitable to run a car anymore and no i mean Literally, the biggest purse, the biggest winner's purse of the season is Daytona and Talladega, $26,000. $26,000. Yep. That's it. Yep. Wow. I mean, this is this is public information. You can go on the ARCA site and see this. Um, I Some of the Easter races, the winner's purse is like $2,000. And that's for winning the race. Yes. You get for finishing last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... I don't understand how anybody can can afford to to do it at this point. I really don't. And yeah. then Arca wonders why they can't keep car counts up. Well, it has to be like a side thing, and you do something else for cash on the other side. And I can't think of enough people to have enough time in their lives to do something and run a race team on the other side. So to just randomly throw money into it and be losing money every week, like. Because you're not going to make money off of it. There's no way. There's no way you can get enough sponsorship to offset what you're losing from putting into the car every week because you're not going to make profit off of just the winnings. And you're not going to be able to add in enough sponsorship money to make profit. Yeah. And then you get into what we've had recently where it's just guys driving around to have fun. Then that doesn't make a good racing series at all. Nope. But we're not going to turn anybody away from coming to race with us. Of course, well, that's not. what you get then. Yeah, you can't complain about it now. Yeah, exactly. Enough bitching about Arca. Uh, what happened to the truck race? I don't remember a whole lot happening. Just some decent racing, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about in that race. I mean, it was a good race, but nothing super big of note in that race. I mean. Ben Rhodes wins his first race of the year, which was interesting. But I 
outside of that, I mean, Dean Thompson ran top three. He's finally showing some speed and getting uh, used to being in a fast truck. And outside of that, I got nothing on the truck race. Yeah, I was pretty impressed by Dean Thompson um, finally being up front. Uh, we've been talking about him. I don't know if we've been talking about him a lot or NASCAR sites have been talking about him a lot. But I feel like I've been hearing a lot about Dean Thompson over the past year or two and not seeing a lot of results to back it up. It's good to finally see another one. Um, Corey well, Hines is... was really fast this weekend, too. Corey Hines has been fast every weekend. Yeah, he... but he finally what... finished up front. He's won... What two races already? Has one he race, won two? two races. I thought it was, I thought he's it was won- only one. I know he's won at least one. I thought there was a second. Maybe there wasn't, but he's been up front like every race since like the third week. I mean, he's he's going to be legitimately a championship contender if he keeps this up. Like it's yeah. He honestly, at this point, I might call him the championship favorite. He's been that consistent and fast. Really, he's been more consistent than. Pretty much everybody else. I mean, Eckes has won a couple races, but Eckes also had a streak of like three finishes outside the top 15 because of wrecks and things like that. So, yeah, in terms of consistency, week in and week out, Corey Heim has been the guy in the truck series of late. Yeah, Uh, Eckes kept putting himself in a good position in this race and every restart just kind of free fell through the field. mm -hmm. Which is pretty disappointing to see, but yeah, but yeah, at I least mean, he was able to get up there and finish well again because it's it's been a couple of weeks since he's had a decent run outside of Darlington when he won. He's not had a lot of good weeks recently, so it's just good yeah. to see him finishing in the top ten again. Yeah, we want to see Christian Eckes do well. Yes, uh, I guess move on to the Xfinity because not a lot else happened in the Truck Series. Um, Xfinity the race from hell that took 18 years to finish. Uh, Justin Allgaier won, uh, had a pretty good duel with John Hunter Nemechek towards the end of the race. Um, I can't really think of a whole lot that happened in that race. Well, Ty Gibbs yo-yoed through the field the entire time, probably had the fastest car. And yeah, just back to keep... front to back to front. <laughs> yeah, and I think ended up like seventh at the end of the race. So not a good day for him after wrecking in the 600 as well. I think it was kind of funny. They tried to talk to him on the pace laps. Um, or, yeah, the pace laps after the cup race when they restarted this race. And Michael Waltrip calls down, hey, Michael Waltrip up in the booth, you got me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell he had no interest in having that conversation whatsoever. People say Chase Elliott has no personality. Gosh. <laughs> well, I, I, I ties. Ty's got his religiousness, at least. Oh, good. He gets us. That's right. I mean, I I, I would say Ty shows more personality than Chase does. Yeah, I just threw the joke in there because we're about to piss off a bunch of Chase Elliott fans. (laughs) Well, yeah, true. Uh, But yeah, other than that, not a whole lot happened in the Xfinity race either. Again, decent racing. Not really a whole lot to talk about, though. Allgaier kind of ran away with it at the end. Nemechek was up there with him but i mean Allgaier kind of ran away in the closing laps carson hosevar i think is showing that he is the real deal every time he stepped in that 77 spire car in the xfinity series he has been fast i think ended up eighth in this race so the fact that he has limited time in that car and can continues to reel off top 10 finishes is very impressive yeah and because he's not running full-time xfinity this year is no he? Full-time yeah, trucks, but not... Full-time not... trucks, but yeah, he That was looks... only like his third Xfinity start. He looks like he's an Xfinity Series regular when he drives that car, which is he pretty does. impressive for a step up from trucks. Um, Yeah, I can't really think of a whole lot to talk about with Xfinity, other than I just want to say that this is the kind of racing I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, they had really good bracing front, mid-pack. Really good uh, bracing? I said racing. No, you you added a B in there. No, I didn't. I said racing. <laughs> okay. But Maybe no, you didn't it, mumble so much. Whatever. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was really good racing the whole way through. Um, this is the kind of racing I want to see, not just from the Xfinity Series, but I want to see this in Cup, too. We don't need to have three hours worth of random wrecks to talk about for it to be a good race. This is a good race. It's mm-hmm. not going to make the headlines, and that's okay. You have to have races like this 
to have good races. And I don't think NASCAR has been picking up on that the past couple of years. No, they haven't been because they think many, many wrecks and many, many restarts is all that they need, which to be fair, especially with the Gen 6 car, that was the only time you ever saw any racing was on restarts. Yeah. So that was the only that was the only way to get any kind of anything in the cup races was to bunch the field up and have a restart. So I get the thought process, but we're not there anymore. We need to let that thought process die. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, it's really refreshing to watch races that don't have stages in them every once in a while. Um, I fullheartedly believe that stage racing is single-handedly killed the past couple of seasons in NASCAR, along with the playoffs. Well, it's more than the past couple seasons. Yeah. How many seasons have we been doing stages now? Like four or five? Uh, five or six. I think 2017 was the first year of stages. Uh, yeah. Okay, let, let's put this in perspective. The point was brought up when Carl Edwards was in the booth at Darlington. He never ran with stages. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a hot minute. I don't remember mm-hmm. Carl Edwards being gone that long. <laughs> yep. Yikes. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's been a minute. Uh, it's been a little too long, I think. Um, Bring back but, Cousin Carl. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, he did Captain. he did say he was entertaining the idea. So it's calling Captain Carl this time. Captain Carl? Captain Carl. Why? Just like Captain Crunch? He didn't need to be friendly neighborhood cousin anymore. Now he needs to take everybody out and be Captain Carl. That only works if he gets a Captain Crunch sponsorship. <laughs> okay. Which he, he used to have Kellogg's. <laughs> Is Captain Crunch a Kellogg's brand? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he used to have Kellogg's because he had like Frosted Flakes in the car. So get the Kellogg sponsorship back. Get the Kellogg sponsorship on there. And then run a Terry Labonte throwback at Darlington. Yes. Because I, I don't understand why Hendrick still hasn't done one of those. You're literally running the five car now. Terry Labonte throwback. They may not be able to. Well, they they may not be able to bring back Kellogg's. They could probably do the paint scheme. But yeah, they haven't. I don't care if we do the paint scheme and slap HendrickCars.com on the side of it like we do every other car these days. Just mm-hmm. do the paint scheme. <laughs> Yeah, I I am surprised that hasn't been done. I feel like somebody has done a Terry Labonte throwback, and I can't think of who did it or when, but I feel like there has been at least one. Um, I don't know how you could be doing the throwbacks for this long and not do a Terry Labonte throwback. I think a lot of teams just let the drivers pick, though, and the drivers just pick whatever scheme. Like uh, Hendrick specifically, I'm pretty sure, just lets the drivers pick. That's how, I mean, Chase ended up with a Bill Elliott scheme, and uh, Larson ended up with that tony stewart xfinity scheme which was really nice like that and chastain's dale jarrett scheme i thought were top two schemes and it was really cool seeing them race for the win until chastain ran out of talent yeah that tends to be happening a little bit more often lately it didn't in the 600 though it did um he was nowhere in the picture but he didn't run out of talent at least to answer the question about terry labonte throwbacks just because i was curious Bailey Curry ran one in the Xfinity series in 2022. Okay. I knew I remembered one from somewhere. Was that a cornflakes throwback? Or was that something yeah. else? Okay. It was like yellow, red, and blue. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered seeing one. Um, But, although there was no Chastain moment in this race, there was a moment. Uh, this time it was a Chase Elliott moment. Yes, this time it was a Chase Elliott moment. Um, basically, exactly what happened at Kansas last year between Bubba and Larson, except this time it's Chase taking Denny out. And now, see, this is kind of the magic of recording this a little later. The penalty is out now. Chase is yeah. suspended for a race uh, with Corey LaJoy being in the nine car for gateway and Carson Hosevar is going to take over in the seven for Spire. So big, crazy week of penalties. And that's not even the only penalty. We'll get to the, the other penalty that I just saw here momentarily, but, um, thoughts on, um, 
what Chase did, and do you think the penalty was correct? I definitely think the penalty was correct. Um, there's a whole lot of different video angles from this. Some people think Keselowski turned Chase into Denny, all this other kind of stuff. I, I think regardless of what happened there, Denny got right hooked in the, the quad oval part of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That has to stop, and you're going to have to start handing out suspensions to people again unless they stop doing this because I feel like the drivers at this point think that the cars are just so safe and all this kind of stuff that they can just wreck whoever they want, however they want. And you cannot do that. But you they're can't... not that safe though. The gen six was, that's my point. Car, like this car is not as safe. It, I think it's a little safer this year, but this car ended Kurt Busch's career last year. Yeah. And that's my point. You got Ryan Newman, who's a, engineer who won't even step foot in this car on a fast track because of how unsafe he thinks it is and he was responsible for a lot of the safety transformations that a past couple generations of cars had and i just you cannot right hook somebody in the trioval at all It, it it was unacceptable before it's still unacceptable now and it it seems very obvious from the head on view that chase just hooked a left and sent Denny straight in the fence and he didn't try to say anything otherwise in his post-race interviews. I feel like it was definitely a right hook into the fence. And I think his suspension is warranted. You can't do well, this, but you can't suspend Bubba Wallace last year and then not suspend Chase Elliott this year for the same thing. So technically he did try to say something to the contrary in the, in the post-race interview. He, uh, when, when Josh Sims asked him, I don't remember if he specifically asked him if it was intentional, but he asked him, like, what happened? And Chase is like, oh, I couldn't hear you, but, you know, after you get in the wall with these things, you just, they, you can't control them. They're, they're just out of control. There's no control. Like, you break yeah. the toe link, whatever. But that's not what happened at all. Like, the toe no. link was not broken. His... You like Denny even put on Twitter the SMT data to show exactly what Chase was doing in the moment. Yeah. Chase had that wheel cranked four times harder to the left than he had in any corner all day. Mm-hmm. That's you're not going to crank it to the left if you've got a broken toe link in that situation. No, that's and not I, how that works. And he was cranked to the left way before Keslowski ever got into the back of him. So, yeah. Everybody can I don't, just stop with the whole Keselowski turned him thing. That's not true. That's not what happened. Just accept that Chase had a little tantrum and tur- and took Denny out. That's what happened. Like yeah, you can I, you can look at it however you want, but if you look at it any other way than that, you're wrong. Plain and simple, you're wrong. I thought it was pretty funny that Denny put the data up on Twitter as like the biggest yeah. flex screw you type of thing. But yeah, I don't know how you could look at this any other way other than that Chase Elliott just took him out. And I thought it was funny in the post-race interview. You know Chase could hear him. You mm-hmm. know damn well he could hear everything Literally, he was saying Josh, and just wanted Josh to have a scripted answer. Josh Sims' tongue might have been, might as well have been in Chase Elliott's ear. He was that close. There's yeah. no way he didn't hear him. Yeah, you, you know Chase heard him, and you know Chase had a scripted answer already come up with in his head yep. that he was going to say as soon as they asked. Yep. Because uh, you know now that if you wreck somebody, somebody's going to have a microphone in your mouth about five seconds afterwards He's going to ask you about it. And we also know now that if you say, yeah, I wrecked him, you're going to get a penalty. Mm-hmm. So it was smart to say, Oh yeah, I don't know. I just tried to save the car, but yeah. Well, and the real incriminating part here, um, besides the SMT data that Denny put up was literally the radio communications immediately after where Denny or where chase was just like, Oh, he's already done that to me like four times today. Talking about Denny crowding him up toward the wall. So like, that's pretty clear right there that him saying he did it on purpose. Yeah. Like you like you got to be smarter than that dude. Come on, don't hit the mic button. You know everybody can hear you. Radioactive is a thing. Like everybody is listening to your radio, especially when you're the most popular driver. Why are you incriminating yourself? Yeah. Um it was very clearly intentional and I'm glad NASCAR did the right thing, gave him a suspension. 
I didn't think they would, honestly. I didn't um, either. I thought they'd probably try to BS their way out of it, but I'm glad that they set a precedent and they're sticking with it. Um, first time we've seen that in a while. <laughs> but yeah, Chase Elliott suspended for a week and puts Corey LaJoy in a competitive cup car for the first time in his career. I am excited to see what he does with that. I am too. Um, I think we're finally going to see what Corey is really capable of. I mean, if you look back, Corey has never had big opportunities in his entire career, but yet has outperformed pretty much every car he's ever been in. Like the last time he was really in something competitive was like the Canon East series, which is now the Arca East series. Literally, he was outrunning guys like Chase in the K&E series at that time. So he's got the talent. He's just never had the ride to show it. Yeah, and there's a ton of people that are more reward or deserving of the Hendrick spot, I think, than Chase Elliott and probably Alex Bowman. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Josh Berry and uh, Corey LaJoy come to mind. But it's nice to see a couple different guys getting equipment that's good and just being able to see what they can do in them. I was very impressed with Josh Berry this year. Um, I think we'll be impressed by Corey LaJoy. He's had time in cup cars, obviously, and he's been fairly competitive in the midfield with Spire car. And when's the last time you could say that about a Spire driver? That Spire car has slowly been getting better. Like they've been chipping away the past two or three years and very quietly getting better i mean they're to the point now where they're actually a legit threat for a win at daytona talladega and atlanta if they can stay out of a wreck he's gonna be there at the end of the race and he might sneak out a win at those tracks and anywhere besides that like a lot of the time he's he's a solid top 15 top 20 right now like that car is much better than it used to be and i think a lot of that is thanks to Corey and his ability to not only make the car better but to Put that car better than where it should be week in and week out. Yeah, so that'll be one to keep an eye on this weekend. And what's the other penalty that you just found out about? So Chase Briscoe got a massive penalty. um, And now I lost it. I had it pulled up over here and I lost it. But um, here we go. I got it back up here. Um 120 driver and owner points docked from the 14 team, as well as 25 playoff points, a six race suspension for the crew chief and a $250,000 fine for Chase Briscoe and the 14 team for an L3 penalty for counterfeiting a next gen part. Big, That's pretty big steep. penalty. It's kind of wild that, they had a counterfeit part and that team has been as slow as they have been lately. Like clearly whatever they counterfeited was not working as it was supposed to. You would think if you're cheating, you'd be fast. Exactly. If anything, they've been slower. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about these penalties. Um, I don't really like that. You can't modify anything on the next gen cars. I think in the long run, it makes it more expensive than what they were trying to do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We've had some controversy with different penalties of this type this year already. Uh, I think this one's probably clean cut. Part was modified, whatever, or counterfeit, whatever counterfeit yeah, means. Yeah, they've, they've never used the word counterfeited before, so I think that's different than modified. I'm not sure. What they do, go to Goodwill and buy the part <laughs> instead of buying it from the supplier? Maybe I they mean, 3D printed it in the shop. I don't know. If so, props to them. Right? <laughs> Well, but, depending on what it is, some stuff's probably easier to 3D print than others. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why they're calling it counterfeited and not modified. I, I feel like that clearly means it's something different than modified. Mm-hmm. So I I'd don't be know. interested to see what they mean. I don't know if they're going to come out with some more information about that or not. Knowing NASCAR, yeah. probably not. But yeah. if well, they lately, do, it'll be though, interesting to look at. Lately, though, especially after the whole Louver thing with Hendrick and, and Colleague. I guess now they've been taking whatever these illegal parts are and they've been putting them in the NASCAR hauler every weekend for everybody to see what they are and how they're illegal. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But, yeah, another penalty. Another week. Yeah. At this point. (laughs) Uh, What else happened in the cup race? Uh, Bubba Wallace got another top 
five this year. Yep. Haters um, still gonna say he sucks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I still don't get it. Obviously, I've said something about that the past couple of weeks. He's been doing very well as of late. Um, He's been on par, if not better, than Reddick most weeks. Oh, he outpaced Reddick this week. Exactly, he and beat him fair and square. And everybody talks about how good Reddick is. So Bubba's right there with him in the same equipment. So. Are we ready to say Bubba's as good as Reddick, or are we going to keep pretending like he's terrible? Well, I, I think uh, over the course of the season, the only other Toyota that's really been at the same level as Bubba the whole year has been Denny Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Bell's had his moments, Tyler Reddick's had his moments, but Bubba's been at or near the front most of the season, and I don't think you can really find anybody else in the Toyota camp with that sort of consistency. It's impressed me how much better that 2311 team has been this year. Like it's it's clear that that team as a whole has gotten much better this year. Uh when they came in, what was that? 2 years ago now. Yeah. Um the same year that Trackhouse came in. Trackhouse was actually outperforming them in the beginning. Mhm. And now it seems like it's flip-flopped. 2311 is mostly outpacing Trackhouse, although Chastain has his weeks when he's not doing something stupid and wrecks himself. Suarez has his weeks, but overall, it does seem like 2311 has gotten better than Trackhouse, and and in fact, I think is one of the top teams in the Cup Series right now, and that is from both cars, not just Reddick, that's both cars. Yeah, not, honestly, I think Bubba's been better than Reddick most of the season so far, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't predict at the beginning of the season i thought reddick was going to take this season kind of by storm in the way kyle larson has the past couple of years but yeah i thought tyler reddick would show a lot more pace in that car um it's good to see bubba running up front i think um that's good for him good for the team good for the sport um i really want to see some more consistency out of track house uh obviously chastain we know he's good when he's not wrecking people he's pretty fast usually Suarez has his moments, although rare, but I want to see some more speed out of that 99. I mean, Suarez led a lot of the all-star race, so I don't yeah, know if that did. was I don't know if that was so much just starting up front and having the track position, but I mean he showed a lot of pace at North Wilkesboro, so he has his moments and won at Sonoma last year. I'm curious to see if he can if he can back that up and win at Sonoma again this year in a couple weeks, but um yeah, Suarez has his moments, although this year has been a little further off than I think he was last year. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it feels like Trackhouse might have taken a half step back this year because Chastain has also has his moments, but at the same time, isn't competing for wins, I don't think, as much as he was last year. No, because last year he was up front. It seemed like a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. This year he's not really competing for wins. It's more okay, there's a top five, we're looking at the top ten. It, it It's more 10th to 15th, I think, this year than it is 5th to 10th. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, well, last year he made the championship four, so clearly he was doing something last year that was putting right. him in position week in and week out. But, yeah, this year he doesn't really feel like championship four material. Like, he's been up there competing for wins a couple of times. I mean, he was there at Darlington before he just, lost his mind but um it's not been as consistent with him being up front this year yeah and he still hasn't won a race this year so Mm -hmm. interesting to see what happens the rest of the season for track house um what else happened in the cup race legacy had a really bad day yes legacy did have a really bad day i mean jimmy johnson commercial yeah during commercial (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they come back from commercial. Mike Joy's like, oh, yeah, so uh, both of the legacy cars, Jones and Gregson, both went to the garage over the break. Uh, they both had a hole in the radiator. <laughs> okay. And then Jimmy Johnson was already out because he'd spun at one point or something. But he came back out. And I think Eric Jones came back out, too. And then Johnson spun again and went back on the wall. At one point, all three legacy cars were in the bottom three spots. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, The thing about Jimmy Johnson brings up a point that I saw earlier this week. I I think it was during the race. Um, Jimmy Johnson was so good for so long that now that he's 
lost a little bit of that edge, got away from the sport for a little bit. Now it almost seems pathetic to see him out there. When he was dominating the series just a couple of years ago, uh, of course, it's been more than a couple of years yeah, it's ago been now. More than a couple of years. It's just interesting to see how much fall off he's had. And everybody knows he's still a great driver, but I think it's more the Cup Series has gotten a lot more competitive than when he was in it. Uh, I think part of it, too, is the fact that he's running part time. That doesn't yeah, help because if no. you can't be in the car week in and week out, especially since he hadn't been in the next gen until the Daytona 500 this year. So that doesn't help. It's a whole extra team that's pulling resources away from the rest of his team just for him to go out there on track the couple times he's been in a race this year. It's a team that is not used to working together. It's a crew chief he's not used to working with. It's not a great situation and it makes yeah. me wonder why he's even doing it at this point outside of the fact that he just wants to keep running races even but if he's not competitive why yeah. i mean that's the same question i've had with these guys in arca though so there's there's got to be something i'm missing here right <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we either don't see jimmy johnson next year or don't see him as often next year i think he is as smart as the rest of us can put two and two together that it's not really working out too well i mean we uh, haven't even seen him that often this year though we've this was only the third race he's run this year right but i think he might do the 500 daytona 500 and maybe nothing else next year yeah um of course being an indy car those are completely different cars than the cup cars no matter which version of the cup cars you're looking at so mm -hmm. that doesn't help but yeah he's got all the cards stacked against him and i think he's gonna see that and probably think about calling it quits yeah i mean at this point i think his energy is better spent just trying to make that team better not yeah being out on the track especially with how disappointing their season's been so far yeah exactly but and i mean they are making a switch to toyota next year too so that's going to take a lot of of mental um energy just to just to keep that afloat too so yeah i don't know it's a good point yeah all right, so I think that's probably it for the 600. So let's move on to predictions for this week. Since we're doing this a little later this week, there's an ARCA entry list out for the West Race of Portland, so we're going to make predictions for that as well. Um, the ARCA race will be sa Saturday? Is June 2nd Saturday? Uh, Friday. It's Friday. Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on Flow Racing because it's a West race. Uh, Tyler, who you got for this one? I'm going to go with Sean Hingarani. Um, he's one of the regulars. It's been really good. Um, there's a couple different Xfinity and Trucks guys in this race because of the fact that they're... It's all Xfinity. It, Trucks Xfinity. gateway. Just because of the fact that Xfinity is racing to Portland and some of these guys don't have much, if at all, experience on this track... Uh, but I think Sean's going to kick out some of those Xfinity guys and kind of run away with it a little bit. Okay, solid pick. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm going to go with one of those Xfinity guys. I'm going to go with Cole Custer. The amount of um, experience that he's got, I think he's going to go out there and just wipe the floor with everybody. So <laughs> I think Cole Custer wins this race by a lot. I mean, he's in a, he's in a yeah. high point car this week, so um, he's he's going to be fast. He's in one of the better cars in the field. I don't see any reason why he can't win this race. All right. So sticking with Portland, let's move to the Xfinity race now, which is going to be Saturday at 4 30 PM on FS one. Uh, Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? going to go with Jordan Taylor. Uh, he did his NASCAR debut at, Circuit of the Americas in the Cup Series this year. And I think the Cup Series cars are a little bit more similar to the cars you'd use to racing. But I also think that the level of competitiveness in the Cup Series is a lot higher than it is in the Xfinity Series. I think he's going to come in, gel with that car, and do very well. Okay, fair enough. Um, to be honest, I was disappointed that Tyler got to pick his Xfinity pick before me because... Looking through the Xfinity entry list, I don't know that there's anybody in there that can challenge Jordan Taylor. But 
being the good host that I am, I allowed Tyler to have that pick. And I'm going to go with Connor Mozak. I think he's the next guy in the field with the most road racing experience. Um, I know there's a few other Xfinity guys that have been really good on road courses in the past, but I think Connor Mozak um, will give a good run to Jordan Taylor in this race. Yeah, and it's hard with Xfinity road course races this year because pretty much everybody that won on a road course last year isn't in the Xfinity AJ series this year. Yeah, AJ Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, uh, Noah Gregson, they're all not here anymore. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it makes it kind of hard to pick these races, especially when you've got one guy that's that good at road courses in there. Like it's It becomes pretty clear who's probably going to win. Um, all right, so next, let's move on to IndyCar. Uh, that will be Sunday, 3 p.m. from the streets of downtown Detroit, not Belle Isle, Belle Isle this year, but that is uh, a whole nother point that we'll, I'm sure we'll get into next week when we recap the race. 3 p.m. on Sunday on NBC, 3 p.m. Eastern. Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Will Power. Um, he won Belle Isle last year, so it makes me feel like I'm just picking the guy who wins last year every time. But oh, you he, mean like how you pick Zane Smith for all the truck races? Yeah, yeah. But Will Power is very good at street courses. Um, and Joseph Newgarden finally put together a full race. Well, I guess he won Texas. Penske's been fairly good the past month or so. Uh, Scott McGolfin won at Barber, Joseph Newgarden won Texas and Indy. And I think it's time for Will Power to put a week together. Uh, we saw in 100 Days to Indy, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his personal life. And I think after Indy and having a fairly disappointing month, he's going to reevaluate, turn it around, and smack the crap out of everybody at Detroit like we're used to seeing him do. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with his Penske teammate, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, I think Scotty Mack has uh, been pretty good on street courses and road courses of late. So I think he picks up win number two for the season on the streets of Detroit. Bus bros back to back. That's right. All right. On to uh, Gateway this weekend, or as some people call it, St. Louis. Um, trucks will be in action Saturday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. on FS1. Tyler, who you got for trucks? going to go with Corey Heim. Uh, he's got a win already this year. Uh, he's been very competitive the past couple of weeks, especially Charlotte this past week. Um, I think he'll put it together this weekend. I don't really see anybody that's really jumping out at me in trucks for this race. Well, you say that. I had one name that jumped out to me, somebody that I feel has kind of flowed under the radar lately, but has quietly been getting better, has been putting up better and better finishes this season, and has been slowly inching closer to the top. I think Raja Carruth picks up his first truck series win this weekend. In fact, his first NASCAR win as a whole, because he didn't win any in ARCA as well. So um, I think he finally picks up that first ARCA win, or that first NASCAR win as a whole. Raja Carruth goes to victory lane at Gateway. All right, on to the Cup Series. And that will be Sunday, 3.30 p.m. on FS1. Everything's on FS1 this weekend. Uh, Tyler, who do you have for this race? This might be just because I'm more interested to see what happens than I think he might actually win. But I'm going to go with Corey LaJoy for this weekend. I actually think he has a fair shot in the Hendrick car. He's been very good in that Spire car so far this year. He's been showing Spire to be higher in position than they have been ever um and i think if you can do well in a spire car like top 15 top 20 in a spire car you're probably gonna be pretty good in a hendrick car so i think this will be the first time we see Corey lajoy in top tier equipment and if the team can actually get behind him i think he's got a really good shot i agree and in fact i was gonna pick Corey as well and then i'm just giving tyler all my picks this week so if if Tyler wins everything this weekend, you know who really picked those picks. <laughs> right. Um, no, I'm going to go with the man that, if I remember correctly, was leading late in this race last year and then I believe had a flat tire with like two laps to go or something like that. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. I think Harvick uh, has not had a great start to the season, but he's had a couple of good runs. I think he finally 
uh, picks up that first win for 2023 and locks himself into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's a fairly solid pick. We came into this year with a lot of expectation for Kevin Harvick, especially with it being his last season. And he hasn't really lived up to it, so I'm hoping he's able to turn it around because I really don't want to see him go out in a very incompetitive place. To be fair, though, none of Stuart Haas has done anything this year, and really... Or last year. Well, it's been two or three years, really, since Stuart Haas was really at the top of their game, and... Yeah. For the most part... The year Kevin Harvick won a championship. Yeah. For the most part, Harvick has been keeping that team afloat for a while now. He has outperformed everybody by a long shot almost every week, and really outperforming where that car should be the past couple years, so... If anybody in an SHR car can win right now, I think it is Harvick. So, um, yeah, I think he uh, puts it together this weekend at Gateway and maybe wins his last race. I don't know. We'll see. But either way, yes, I think Harvick wins at Gateway this weekend. But that, uh, I believe, will just about do it for us this week. That is uh, predictions for everything this weekend from Portland to Gateway to Detroit. Um, I don't think there's F1 this weekend, but if there is, I got Max Verstappen. I'm not letting you take that pick. <laughs> there is, and it's at Spain. Oh, okay. So they were supposed to have three three weeks in a row? Because uh, they yeah. were supposed to have Italy the week before, and then I think it was like flooding or something, so they couldn't. Yeah. Wow. That's different well, for F1. To be fair, Italy, Monaco, and Spain's like right here. So Yeah, true. That'd be like NASCAR going from Detroit to Indy to Gateway. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right. So I think that's going to do it. So next week's podcast may actually be a day early instead of a day late. I believe your work schedule works out to where we can actually do it earlier next week. Yes. Something like that. Okay. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. So you might see this come out on Tuesday next week. The video version, the, the audio version will be out sooner than that if it comes out on Tuesday. But um, either way, uh, definitely won't be this late next week. I hope. So, um, at We're that, definitely hoping. Right. At that, I'm Garth. That's Tyler. This is the Rookie Stripes podcast on Racing News Now. <laughs>